0: His steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. All right. All right. Thank you, Christina. Um, So again, if you just came in, my name's Dave, speech speech impediment. Um, Excited to be with you. Welcome. Welcome. And um, again, David and Hannah and Kirsten will be out there at the Connect desk. Really encourage you to go there and uh, talk with them. So we're going to get into it here pretty quickly here. In, um, in Psalm 100, we've been in the Psalms all summer, and this has been a really good time where we've been um, looking at the, the character of God. And, 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 the, and then from there, we've learned that, that, that who he is um, shapes us and that we are called to be his people, and that God invites us to, to come before him and to have a relationship with him and to live our lives in the highs and the lows and everywhere in between um, in response to who he is, his character and his promises. And, and so um, that's, that's the same is true this mo- morning, um, and, and I'm excited. We only have a few more weeks in the Psalms, so yeah, you can all say ah. Um, And then we're going to get into the um, Sermon on the Mount, which is a sermon by none other than Jesus. So really excited for that, Um, but but I'm really, really grateful for where we are this morning. I just love looking at this, Psalm 100, we're in the Benjamins, we're all about the Benjamins this morning, Um, Psalm 100. Some of you don't even know what that means, Um, but uh, it's a good, good short, little action-packed psalm. Um, small but mighty. So obviously, I like that uh, type of thing. But um, um, so go ahead and get there with me, if you will, in Psalm 100. Turn there in your Bibles. Um, it's right in the middle of your Bible. Um, Psalm spelled P S A L M, a silent P. And um, I'll just say this it's always true. There's no shame in turn into the very beginning. The Table of contents, looking for where you're at as we turn there. Um, and if you have an app or however you want to get there, uh, get there. And if you don't have a Bible, will you go ahead and hold your hand up high? I'd love for you to have a Bible that you can look along and read along with and keep your hand up. Don't just do this thing, but keep, hold it up, keep it up. También, um, si quieres la Biblia en español, levanta su mano y diga español. Y si no tienes una um, Biblia, eso es un regalo a usted. I'm adding to that every time. Some of you guys know that. Thank you. Um, no, what I said there, and this goes for you in English too, if you don't have a Bible, um, you do now, okay? This is a gift to you. We want to make sure that everyone has a Bible, that they can read and understand and understand and underline and put your name in and, and keep as your own, okay? So, um, and with that, bring your Bible with you on Sunday so we can read together. Um, amen? Amen. Yeah, I'm going to ask for amens as we go sometimes. So um, I, I, I need that. I need to know that you guys are uh, tracking with me. And so let me just share with you where we're headed in these five verses this morning. We're seeing that um, God is good and that God invites his people to a life of joyful obedience and intimacy with him. And so as we walk through this, the way it kind of breaks down is we'll see that, that God is the God of um, joy and gladness in verses 1 and 2. And then, and then we'll see that, that uh, God is the God of purpose and intimacy. And then lastly, that's all built upon the foundation that God is a God of enduring love. And so that's really where we're headed. Um, uh, let me go ahead and pray again and ask the Lord to lead us through this time um, of being just refreshed. I'm encouraged to spend this time wherever we're, we're, we're coming from this morning to, uh, to hear the, the word of God, the good news of what it means to, to come before him and, and, and to learn who he is and what it means to, to follow him. So with that, let's pray and ask him to uh, lead us through this time together. Lord, again, we do love you, and we thank you, and we come before you. Um, or we we, we pray that uh, you will speak to us. We do trust that the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. And and so, Lord, we do pray that the words of our mouth and the meditation of our hearts would be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer, and that you will use this time or these five short moments Verses to to change us and to shape us and to enable us to respond um, in faith and in worship and in hope. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, um, just let's get into it. Verse 1 of Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. This is a, a psalm of thanksgiving. This is, the author is not known. We don't know exactly who wrote this psalm, but it was likely written around 3,000 years ago. And, um, and it's a part of the k- kingly psalms. And, and that this one in particular is a psalm of thanksgiving that, 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 that you would see that God is a God of creation, that he's good, that he's holy, and that he is the king, that he alone is the true king. And so this is a foreshadowing launching us ahead into the place where we understand that, 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 that he would send his son Jesus to establish his kingdom once and for all. And that even before, before Jesus would come, that again this was about a thousand years before Jesus, that there was anticipation and hope in the goodness of the true king. And that would lead God's people to make joyful noises or, or, or to shout, shouts of praise. But um, we could just read that and go right along and kind of move on. And, and perhaps even in the first couple songs here singing, maybe you're n- new to this whole deal. You're n- new to church. Um, and, and you're wondering, you know, for those of you who are here and you're not Christians, and you, and you look around, you see people maybe swaying, maybe clapping a little bit. I don't think we had any clapping yet. Come on. We need to get on that. We will. <laughs> um, but, you know, hands raised, different things, and you're wondering, like, What's it, what is this? Or maybe you're a seasoned veteran. Like you've been in church for a long time and you're wondering, um, you know, am I supposed to put on a face? Am I supposed to pretend? You know, am I supposed to shout? And when, when Stephen says, let's give God a hand praise, you're like, okay, I will just because that's what everyone else is doing. But um, I don't know if that's really where I'm at. I don't know if God is good. I don't know if I want to make a joyful noise uh, to God. And so what do we do with that? Should you feel bad? Should you pretend? Um, Well, no. In fact, honestly, that's normal. In fact, that's our nature. If you're here today and you're a human, the the reality is that um, apart from Jesus, our nature is not to see God as good, is not to delight and want to make a joyful noise and to praise and to clap your hands and to hold your hands up because that's not really where we come um, uh, naturally well, Because God created us in goodness. He created us to see that he is good and to have a relationship with him and to want to obey him and to be joyful and to be glad and want to live in, 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 in his presence and intimacy with him. But, but, but we said, no, thanks, God. I, I want to do things my own way. I want to turn apart from you. I don't know that you're good. I think my own way is good. And, that's really, and so we need to understand that's our nature. That's where we come uh, into life. That's sin. That's brokenness. That's what some refer to as the fall or the rebellion. And so there's no pretending. If that's truly your heart state, you, how do you get out of that? Well, we can look to Jesus because God said, I'm not going to leave you there. I'm going I'm I'm to reveal my goodness. I'm going to reveal my character. I'm going to bring you to a place where you can shout for joy and make, and make a joyful, glad noise um, about me in response to me. And it's by sending my son, Jesus. And so we actually see that in um, Matthew chapter 11, that that, that we first need to understand our natural disposition is that we don't rejoice, we don't see God as good. That's how we come at this thing. But but there's good news that God sent his son, Jesus. In verse 11, we see this kind of unfold. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. So you see right away that Jesus, God the Son, responds in joy and in gratitude to God the Father. He thanks God. He says, I see you. He, he, he responds in worship. He gives a, a joyful noise of gratitude to God the Father. And he says um, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the, the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. So kind of pause there for a moment. You see the reality, okay? There's no pretending here that we have intimacy with God apart from Him, apart from His intervention. The reality there is Jesus says, the only one who fully knows God and knows that God is good is the Son, The only one who has an intimacy with God the Father is God the Son. And the only one who truly knows God the Son is God the Father. And there's an intimacy there. There's a relationship. There's a delighting. There's a rejoicing in in the goodness of God. And Jesus right there says it plainly. um, Apart from me, nobody else gets that. Okay, there's an intimacy between the Father and the Son that, again, because of sin, because of not God, because we have all, like sheep, gone our own way... We've all gone astray. We've all chosen not God. We've all turned our backs on him. So we don't see him as good, and we don't need to fake it. We don't need to fake it until we make it and put on a mask. No, we need to look to Jesus and see, oh, he has what what I don't have. And then Jesus, though, doesn't say, man, sucks for you. (laughs) You know, this is good right here, what I've got with the Father. Sorry. No, he, he, he displays more of his purpose and his plan, and he says this. He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What he's saying there is, hey, this struggling, this, this wandering, this wondering if God is good, this kind of you know, coming and wondering, man, what do I do with this whole thing? I've been around church for a long time, or I'm brand new, and I don't know that I know that God is good. I don't know that I want to make a joyful noise. Um, I don't know what to do with that. Jesus says, hey, um, come to me. The, the way to understanding this mystery is through a relationship with me, because I have what you need. I, I, I obey the Father, and I give thanks to him. And I am joyful in my relationship with him. Even at the point of greatest anguish, when Jesus was in the garden, right before he would go to the cross, he delighted in submitting to the will of the Father. And he said, not my will, but your will. I will will go to the cross because I know that that is the way that, that, that our intimacy can be extended to all those who you have given to me and entrusted to me through faith in me. So again, our conundrum is this. Naturally, we're apart from God and we don't see him as good. But Jesus has come and said, I have an intimacy with the Father and I obey the Father perfectly as you were created to do, but you have not done. So now come to me. Put your faith in me. Let go of that burden. Stop trying. Stop stop faking it. Look to me. And I will bring you into this intimacy for which you were created. And that's the backdrop. That's the good news. That's the big idea, okay? There there it is right there. So now, looking through that lens, we can continue on and to read, make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. But when we see God's goodness, when we see his plan, we can do no other than to make a joyful noise. Or it even goes on, it says more specifically there, um, shout loud shouts of joy. But not just you and me. Or this was written to... Israel, not just God's special little secret people, but he says, hey, your, your purpose all along has been to reveal my goodness to everyone else. So if you're in here, if you see God rightly, if you see him clearly, if you see that God is good and that there is gladness in following him, then, 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 then bring others into that. Then, 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 then let your words and your life be such that other people want to see. Man, I... I, I want to see that God is good, but I don't know if I do. He says, well, I- invite. This is for the whole earth. This isn't just for one, one, one select group of people here to see. This is, no, God said, through my, through my people, through them worshiping me, through them making a joyful noise, not just with our words, because some of our joyful noise is not so joyful to everyone else. I cannot sing. This is not just talking about singing. This is talking about living a life of praise that others want to be a part of. Because God is good. And then in verse 2, we see that that there is gladness in following him. It says, serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. There is gladness. When you see God rightly, okay, not faking it, not putting on a mask, not trying, not trying to obey all the rules, but when you rightly see him, when elsewhere, as Scripture talks about, the veil is removed and your eyes are open and you truly see the goodness of God's character displayed poured out on you you can do no other than to serve him with gladness not just with your voice not just with your singing but to give all to him god is a god of joy and of gladness and as we say all of life is all for jesus we talked about this guys a bit this morning that doesn't just just stay in this room Okay, this isn't, there's been this whole terrible broken idea that, that, um, that, that, that there's like church on Sunday, and we, we kind of do our thing here, we hold our hands up, we sing, we pray, we, we give money, we do our thing, and then we go on Monday, and we work, and we relate, and we play, and you know, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, or what happens in my workplace stays in my workplace, and whatever, and this is, this is, this is so broken. No, it's, if you are, um, if you see God rightly, and you respond to him, and you are his, it, it means all of life and God is a God of purpose and of intimacy not just a segregated you know broken um, element of your life but the whole deal so it goes on here in verse 3 know that the Lord he is God that, that, that language there of Lord is like, is master, is one who rules over. Again, this isn't just God far off, distant, kind of Santa Claus figure, but this is, this is the one who is present. This is the God of the Bible, the, as John Calvin said, the one with whom we have to do, or the one with whom we relate. This is the Lord, almighty God, creator of heaven and earth, and he is the one who is intimately involved with your everyday life. This is the one that you have to give an account to. Okay, this this is the one that is not just, you know, you go about your life and you do, you know, everyday things and he's just afar and he doesn't care. No, this is the one who cares about every little aspect of your life. You're coming and you're going, you're waking up and you're laying down, you're relating with one another, all that you do. This is God. And then he goes on, It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. He's the one who made us and we are his. What this means is that the good news, okay, the good news of the gospel, the good news that God is good is this. God saves you from you. Okay, the gospel of Jesus is that you put your faith in him, you come before him, you see that he laid his life down on the cross for you, and then he rose from the dead, ushering in new life, the life that you and I were created for, but that we turned away from. And then he says, hey, come before me, and now come, and here's what I'm doing. I'm saving you from you. It's no longer all about you. And yet we don't get that naturally. All right, there um, one man said that, That there are two equal and opposite thieves of the gospel. Okay, again, that word gospel means good news. The good news that Jesus has revealed the goodness of God and brought you into a relationship with him and restored what has been broken and has revealed his joy and his gladness and his purposes. And yet, most of us fall into one of two categories. We're over here and we fall into religious drudgery or the law. And so this is a thief of the gospel, because this says, you know, religion, coming to church, having a relationship with God, getting your life back in order, all things have gone to chaos, and now you need to get a little bit of religion, it steals the joy of the gospel by kind of minimizing it to a checklist, And by saying, well, I need to do all these right things, and God's looking at me, and God's saying, hey, do this, don't do this, don't talk to those people, vote this way, don't vote that way, you know, dress this way, do all the right things, and and you'll be good. And that's religion, that's religious drudgery. And I get it, that some of us think that's what it means, obedience, to have an obedient relationship with a good God, but we don't see he's good, because that doesn't sound very good. Right? Maybe you're more like me. Some of you guys, you're like, yes, yes, that's life. That's safety. That's where I live. I live in this, and I'm not. I'm like a rebellious kid, and I'm like, that doesn't sound very good to me. You're very fun. I want to go out. I want to do what I want to do, and that's the other thief of the gospel. Okay, so this is, this is the law. This is legalism, and then swing the pendulum right past the gospel, right past the good news that, 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 that Jesus has ushered in, and over here we've got license. Some of you just kind of are like, yeah, I get that. This is, I want to do what I want to do. No one controls me. No one tells me what to do. No one, nobody, uh, nobody gives me, you know, any lists or or anything like that. And I am free, free to do what I want to do. But here's the reality this isn't freedom. Okay, this is slavery. This last week, I've been um, walking alongside my own family. I've been going to a bunch of AA meetings because a lot of People I love are, are um, alcoholics and we've been going to Alcoholics Anonymous meetings and I've just been and it's been actually a really sobering place for me and really freeing as I've seen people admit, man, when, when I'm in control, life is not in control. And you see a lot of people acknowledging and recognizing, I am enslaved to my alcoholism. I'm enslaved to my, my desires. I'm enslaved to my flesh, as the Bible says, to, to, which is, again, life is, I'm in control of it apart from God, and this is not freedom. But the good news is that God has designed you and me with a purpose, to know him, to follow him, to reflect him, to bear his image in everything that we do, and that's what Jesus has come to do, to restore us to that place of joy-filled obedience and living out our purpose as God's people. Delighting in him. In fact, this comes into better, um, better perspective here through um, 1 Corinthians chapter, chapter 6. We see this, that, that, um, that, that it says that it, it reveals uh, the joy that it is to be found in, in being restored to our purpose and our relationship with God. In verse 19, it says this. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? Okay, that, uh, that's language of God chooses to reside within you. If you put your faith in Jesus, you give your life to him. He doesn't just leave you there and say, hey, check off all these boxes so you no longer need me. Or now you're clear. Now you got your get, get out of hell free card. You're over here and you can just do whatever you want. No, now God sends his Holy Spirit to indwell you so that you will live out your relationship with him and his purposes and plans for you for his glory and the good of others. And from that is found your greatest joy. Because that's who God created us to be. And then he goes on and he says, You're not your own, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. You're not your own. You you were created with a purpose. And because of sin, because of not God, because of believing a lie and exchanging the truth for a lie, we think that's not freedom, that's not good, and we're just stuck and broken and trying to live lives on our own. And God says, I'm not going to leave you there. I love you too much. I'm going to send my son Jesus to come and to live the life that you were created to live. And he's going to die on the cross. Because he is purchasing you back from the clutches, from the shackles of slavery to your own desires, to your own wiles, to, your own, to, the, to the world around you, to this broken place of, of, of distorted freedom or distorted obedience in legalism. And Jesus says, you're mine. And I give my life for you, and you are bought with a price. So now from there... Go and live your life in obedience to me. And again, if you're here this morning, and and for those of you who are not Christians, this is the invitation, this is the call that Jesus himself is is making on your life. Saying, come to me. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. You need life, and I have it. Give your life to me. You were created for a purpose that you cannot live on your own apart from me. And I have purchased you. In love, now come and give your life to me. But here's the, here's the good news. So some of us are like, okay, cool, I get that. Or, okay, now what? Now just go and, and go and sin no more, right? And that means like, okay, I put my faith in Jesus when I was eight or in eighth grade or right now, and then you're like, well, now what? Well, God is not just a God of goodness and of joy and of, of purpose, but he's meant for that to be lived out continually through intimacy with him. And that's what verse 4 speaks into. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. This is language used of the t- temple uh, or the, or the t- tabernacle, which was... Which was like a religious um, way of life where you had to go through a high priest who was one person set apart, who himself was sinful and separated from God, and, and had to live a life completely separated from the people, and all these different things, and then you could enter his gates with thanksgiving, but it was um, it, it was only certain times a year, and if certain things were going on in your life, if, if you were a woman and it was during your menstrual cycle, or if you were Married to a woman, and that was the case, or you um, were a farmer and you had been doing your farming in a certain time of year, and you had you had you had been relating with particular types of animals, or you had whatever it. You forgot to cut your hair the right way that week, and it was all these different things. Then, then it was a real struggle to go before God and to have intimacy with Him. And yet, still, the call here, the the reality, the faith that this author has is that God is a good God who is bringing His people into His. His presence with, with intimacy and yet they couldn't fully understand that but, but you and I can because a thousand years after this was written Jesus came and when he died on the cross he offered his sacrifice again temple language he, he, he covered the sins of his, of his people but not through an animal that would have to be sacrificed again but through his own life once and for all And then when he rose from the dead, he said, the doors have been flung open. The curtain has been pulled back. The presence of Almighty God is now available to you. Run with thanksgiving and with joy into the presence of God. And I quoted this last week, and I didn't have it up on the screen because I just kind of decided to share it with you like in that moment. And so this week, I wanted to have it up here on the screen so that you can see that In um, Hebrews chapter four, we see this so clearly um, spelled out. In Hebrews chapter four, verse 15, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Again, Jesus came, the great high priest, the sacrificial lamb, all these different ideas and word pictures are given of Jesus, and he came and gave his life as the sacrifice, and also as the high priest, the one, the access, the direct line to almighty God, the direct line to the one who created the heavens and the earth, who said light with his words, and light came, who said water, and the oceans came. And with that, I I grew up in San Diego, so for me, when I hear that, I picture great white sharks. And, And I think of might and power. And, and there were times I'd be like a couple feet off the shore and would be terrified. And yet, Almighty God in his splendor and grandeur created the waters and said, Stop. That's Ocean Beach. That's Mission Beach. That's Pacific. These are all San Diego places. Um, this is, you know, this is, this is Tucson, six hours away from that. <laughs> God created everything in his might and in his splendor and in his grandeur. And Jesus came and made the direct path open so that you and I can go before that almighty God against whom we have sinned, before whom we deserve wrath and judgment, that again we look on the cross and we see clearly that God doesn't just say, ah, forget it, you know, let bygones be bygones. No, he pours out that wrath and then Jesus says, I'm the great high priest. Now through me, you have direct access to, the, to, to intimacy with almighty God, the one who created you to live in relationship with him. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Grace is undeserved favor. Grace is direct access to God. Grace is getting what you don't deserve and not getting what you do deserve. Let us run with confidence to Almighty God, for He is good. See, if we just start with verse 1, Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. All right, I guess everyone else is. I'll pretend, I'll try, I'll do my best. I don't really feel like making a joyful noise right now. I'm struggling. My car didn't start this morning. I just got fired. I just broke up with my significant other. I'm still in a place where I don't want to be. I'm sinning in ways that other people don't understand. I'm, I'm attracted to um, the people that I'm not supposed to be attracted to. And I'm not attracted to the right people. And I'm broken and I'm stuck. in the things that I want to do, I cannot do. And the things that I don't want to do, I do. Man, it's not so easy and trite. Make a joyful noise to the Lord. I don't feel like it. But when we look to God and we feel the freedom to to call it like it is, and we see that he is good and he displayed his goodness by purchasing you from sin, the sins that you commit and that you have committed, that you are committing, and from the sins that have been committed against you and that are, is happening in the world around you. And lastly, verse 5, this whole thing is built upon the good news of God most clearly displayed where he says this, the Lord is good and his steadfast love endures forever. For the Lord is good. Again, a good Bible study kind of tactic and method is this. Whenever you read the Bible and you find a therefore, you ask, what is it there for? Or if you see a for, you say, why is it there? And it's because it's saying this truth that is about to come, God is good and his love endures forever and 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 is poured out on every generation. God is faithful, God is good. Therefore, verses one through four are lived out. God's people can, can, can make a joyful noise to the Lord, not because they try to, to muster it up, not because they're in church on Sunday and that's what everyone else is doing, but make a joyful noise to the Lord because God is good and his love endures forever and God has demonstrated his love most clearly in that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for the sins of those who he has called to be his own, and he has raised from the dead and and proven his love, his steadfast love that endures forever. Serve the Lord, verse 2, with joy and gladness. Give of your finances, give of your time, Hear about how you can enter into the brokenness of the foster care and adoption situation in Pima County. Be a part of NRC. Volunteer. Get, love your neighbor who's really hard to love. Move toward the people that are, they, they are not easy. Have the people over for dinner on Saturday night that you're going to be worshiping next to on Sunday morning. Amen. Not because it's the right good Christian thing to do and you just got to try and grit your teeth and bear it, but because God is good and his love endures forever and he's faithful. Live your life according to the purposes that he has laid out for you. God says, I have plans for you, plans to carry out my kingdom, plans for you to, 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 to bring the good news of Jesus when he commissioned his people and said, go make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and I'm with you always. Go and do that, not just because you try hard or, you're, or you, you want to be a you know, super good, superhero Christian, but because you see so clearly that God is good and his love endures forever. Enter into his presence. Spend time with him. Open your Bible. Read it. Pray. Have quiet times. Get on your knees and pray. Every once in a while, turn off your stereo and pray. Turn off sports, sports talk radio or whatever it is that you do. Let go of, you know, Pokemon Go for a couple minutes and pray. Why? Because that's what good Christians do, because that's what you're supposed to do, because that's what, that's what this thing is all about. Is that, No, because Almighty God has called you into his presence to spend um, your, your waking hours in his intimate presence because he is good and his love endures forever. Amen? So now as we, um, as we close, I want to I challenge you, um, all of us right now, to ask you a couple of questions. Ask this for yourself, first and foremost, and also for someone else, for others. Who in here needs to know that there is a God and that he's good? Again, for those of you who are here and you're not Christians and you're investigating this whole deal, I don't know what your view of God has been. One man, A.W. Tozer, said that the first thing that comes into our minds when we think of God is the most important thing about us. So don't just brush past that. What comes to mind when you think of God? It might be something that's been transplanted there by people who call themselves Christians. I don't know what. But hopefully this morning you've seen, maybe God is good. And for those of you who are Christians and you've been doing this for a long time, maybe you've forgotten. What comes to mind? Do you need to be reminded that God is good and his love endures forever. Do You need to be reminded that you've been created with a purpose. That freedom is not the distorted version of freedom that we muster up where we're, in the, where we're in control and we do whatever we feel like doing. In fact, that's slavery. Living apart from the purpose that the God who created you designed you for. Who needs to be reminded that God is a good God who's created you and designed you with a purpose to walk with Him and depend on Him and live for His purposes, for His glory, and for the good of others. And in that place, your greatest joy is found. Who in here needs to be reminded of that or hear that for the first time? And who else? Who out there? Who in your family? Who in your workplace? Who, Who of your neighbors? Who of your roommates? Needs to know that God is good and His love endures forever. And so now... We get to respond and and cry out and um, ask the hard questions and um, and, and do some introspection and think about ourselves and our neighbors and our coworkers and our friends and our neighbors and the people on our right and on our left in here this morning because we know that God is good and his love endures forever, not just because we're saying it, but because it's been proven, because we look to Jesus and we see that he has proven his love For you and for me by laying his life down on the cross and he's shown you that i am the god he is the god jesus is the god of joy and of gladness and of purpose and of intimacy and of enduring love and he rose from the dead he conquered it once and for all that's how he can say my love endures forever because if jesus didn't raise from the dead then it'd be like yeah your love is is in a grave somewhere You're still dead, but we celebrate and we respond every week to the good news of Jesus and we can say God is good and his love endures forever wherever we find ourselves, in the valley, in the mountaintop, Anywhere in between, whatever we're going through, we can say God is good. We can shout a joyful noise to the Lord, and we can call all the earth to join in the, 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 the choir of our lives that is saying God is good and His love endures forever because it has been proven by His Son, Jesus. Amen? Let's pray and respond to Him together. Lord, we... Um we come before you humbly and yet um, hopefully. I I trust that you are doing a work in our hearts this morning, individually and corporately. I pray and trust that um, you have revealed your goodness to people who um, have forgotten or have perhaps never known that you are good. Um, Lord, I pray that you have exposed ways that we have bought into the, the lie that steals from the joy of the good news of the gospel by believing religious drudgery on one hand or distorted freedom on the other hand. And Lord, that you have called us back to a place of joy-filled worship and praise and submission to you, our God who is good and glad and, and Lord, who has purposes and plans and who calls us into your presence with intimacy and delight because you are good And your love endures forever. In Jesus' name, amen.